In my experience, most marketers are wasting between 15% and half their paid traffic by sending that traffic to a bad landing page. And bad doesn't just mean ugly. We'll talk about some examples today of really pretty landing pages that are still dead losers because they're not converting visitors as well as they could or they're converting the wrong type of visitors. And by the way, this is not a problem that is exclusive to smaller businesses. Some of the largest clients we're working with have the deadest of loserist landing pages for various reasons. So this is something that affects businesses of all shapes and sizes. But with digital marketing channels becoming more and more competitive, particularly a lot of paid channels, you need to be squeezing every last drop out of your campaigns. And a killer landing page, as in good killer, can be the difference between being able to scale your digital marketing or having to give up on it, leave your competitors to share the spoils. So in today's podcast episode, I'm going to share some landing page golden rules that you can follow with examples, which you'll also be able to watch over on our YouTube channel so that you can build and optimize your landing pages to be high converting monsters that bring you more leads and sales. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. It's nice to see you again. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm CEO and Head Ninja of Exposure Ninja. We're a digital marketing agency. We help our clients generate more leads and sales through their websites. And this episode is all about doing exactly that through landing pages. Now, if you don't know what a landing page is, you might be in the wrong podcast, but let's explain anyway, just in case you're here for something else and we can convince you to stay. Um, landing page is a page that's designed to accept mostly cold traffic and usually from paid channels. So let's say you're running some Google ads or you're running some Facebook ads or Instagram ads or TikTok ads or whatever, and you need to drive someone to your website. We'll often use a landing page for that. And the landing page will be specifically designed for cold traffic so that you can explain your proposition to people very simply and usually get them to take some sort of action or always get them to take some sort of action. If you've got a landing page without a call to action, then your problems are way deeper than we can solve on this episode. Um, but there are six crucial elements that you'll find on the highest converting landing pages. And I'm going to talk you through them as well as talking you through some examples and counter examples as well, because it's always fun to dig into some rubbish too. Now, as I said before, you can watch these um, examples on our YouTube channel over on uh, the Exposure Ninja YouTube channel. If you just go to YouTube and search for Exposure Ninja landing pages, you'll find the video version of this where I'll talk you through these examples. The first thing that we're going to talk about today, the first principle, the first component of the formula is the use of credibility. Now, remember that traffic to a landing page, because of what a landing page is, traffic to a landing page likely won't be familiar with your business or products. This will be cold traffic that may be totally unaware of you. Now, because of that, you have a very small amount of time to build credibility and to trigger that trust in the prospect. If they don't trust you, they're not going to do anything on the page. Doesn't matter how compelling you can make it. If those trust signals aren't there, if you can't flick that switch that gets that person to say, right, I trust this business, nothing else is going to happen. So it's really important that we build trust and we do it very, very quickly on a landing page. And there are a few really proven ways to do this. Now I'm looking at a landing page for a company called Boxed. That's B-O-X-T. And Boxed sell like boilers, they sell heating installations, they basically systemize the installation of boilers, right, you can order it online. And then they'll come and fit a boiler in your house. And they handle all of the process, you know, it's very 
it's very seamless. It's just you click a button and you buy like an e-commerce site. There's no getting someone around for a quote and all this. Oh, it might cost that much. It's very, very simple. It's very straightforward. So this is the sort of business that is very reliant on digital marketing. In fact, almost entirely reliant on digital marketing because they're not really trying to drive people through phones. They are just trying to generate conversions through their website. And they're fairly aggressive with their digital marketing. They're running a lot of paid traffic to these pages by the looks of things. So their landing pages are very, very important. Now I'm looking at one now, which does a fantastic job of building credibility very quickly with a potential prospect. And there are a few key little tells here. So they're not going out of their way to, you know, show some wacky thing. There's no massive stats anywhere. But there's a few tells, like I say. So the first tell that you see is in the hero image on the page. There's a little logo that says watch our TV ad. So if we think about what watch our TV ad does for building credibility, it's actually fairly significant because a company that's spending enough budget to advertise on TV, particularly if they're using the logo of the TV channel that they're on, which they are in this case, that is an instant way to build credibility. It makes this business seem like it's a, you know, reliable, steady choice. Now, of course, there's all sorts of businesses that have advertised on TV that have absolutely no credibility whatsoever. But human credibility measurement is not a perfect science. If you throw that up there, people will trust you because you've been on TV. I remember telling my uh, my grandparents that I'd written a book. They could not believe that they're totally degenerate grandson had all of a sudden become completely legitimate and credible because I'd written a book. Now, of course, a book is just a long Google Doc, but a book is a book and a TV ad is a TV ad and they hold some sort of irrational cachet with the audience. So that's the first credibility trigger. Another credibility trigger that they use is um, the review stars. So we've talked about this loads, you know, little trust pilot or reviews or FIFO, whatever the third party review site is. Uh, they've got a little excellent banner with five stars and the average rating is 4.9 out of five based on 14,553 reviews. So there's a few things that are really important for building credibility. This is about as close to perfect credibility building with review stars as you can get. First thing, it's a third party sites so that holds a bit more credibility than if they were just, you know, we've rated ourselves excellent with a whole bunch of fake reviews on our own page. The next thing is that it's 4.9 out of five, which we find to be more believable than five out of five. And then the third thing is the number of reviews that they've got over 14 and a half thousand reviews tells you that you are not going to be the first mug that has filled in this page. You're not going to be the first person who's clicked on this link. We'll talk a little bit more about social proof later on, but huge credibility uh, built with that. We've also got a phone number in the top right hand corner, which is a great way to build credibility. If people feel like they can get in contact with you very easily, um, particularly if it's like a 24 seven number, they say actually call an engineer free. So call an engineer sounds much more compelling than call a salesperson. So it's, it's a great little credibility hack that just also handles an objection that someone might have, which we'll also come back to later. Now, if I was going to be a bit picky, the call to action on this page is actually get a new boiler, which is a really high commitment CTA. If you listen to our podcast episode recently about designing the perfect CTA, it's a bit high commitment. We'd want a lower commitment alternative CTA in there, such as get a quote or find out how much it costs or something like that, which is a little bit easier. Get a new boiler is quite a big, whoa, oh, wow, okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure I'm ready for that yet. So the primary CTA, they could, I think they could make it a little bit softer, but you know, whatever. Other than that, this, this page does a fantastic job of credibility. Now, if we contrast this with one of their competitors, iheat.co.uk, 
pretty similar sort of service, uh, but the CTA is C boiler prices, which is a much lower commitment CTA, so likely to generate a much higher click-through rate and uh, conversion rate if they're asking for details on the back end of that button. But the layout of the boxed page is fantastic. Um, on desktop, we've got exactly what you'd expect, exactly what we talk about. We've got a uh, you know banner at the top. This call to action is on the right-hand side of the page. You've got a bit of objection handling copy underneath that you've got a list of their partners the the businesses that they've worked with or they've sponsored or you know the you know the companies that they're sort of aligned with and again that's a fantastic way of building credibility they sponsor a lot of football teams so if i'm a nottingham forest fan which i just happen to be it's terrible but i can see nottingham forest as a partner of theirs and i'm immediately like okay great so you know i'm gonna work with this company because they must be legit because nottingham forest Right, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, but it's another one of those little credibility hacks. We've got a bunch of information about how it works. There's a little video there. Uh, we've got some customer testimonials, again, all pulled from Trustpilot. Then we've got a whole bunch of FAQs. We've got price promise. It's a really, really long and detailed landing page. So I'd encourage you to go and check out the video if you're interested in seeing this because it is pretty damn good. Um, if we contrast this, I'm going to give counter examples to all of these principles. Now, a contrast of this will be Cooker. Now, we've looked at Cooker before. This is Q-U-O-O-K-E-R, you know, the boiling water taps. And we've looked at them before. I've rinsed their digital marketing. They actually called us up to talk about it, which is an interesting turn of events. I know that they're busy, but still, the the business of uh, the credibility of the Quaker brand is massive. They they are sort of a uh, I'm just not going to say they dominate the market, but they are very very prominent in the market. Used by loads of celebrities, loads of influencers, really well reviewed, fantastic fantastic brand. But you would not know this from the landing pages that they're using for driving paid traffic to. In a, in all. Honest, honesty, right? These landing pages, they are not suitable for driving cold traffic to. If you search for like boiling water taps or you search for cooker, you'll see ads driving to their, it's basically a product category page. It's got a bit of text at the top. There's a tiny little CTA which says book an appointment now, book a virtual appointment, but there's no illustration of what you're going to get from that. There's no incentive. There's no lure, which we'll talk about later. The main problem, though, is that there's absolutely no social proof on this page whatsoever. You would have no idea that this is, you know, such an amazing, prominent business. There is a review star. I correct myself. There is a review star uh, just above the footer, which is where fewer than 2% of people on the page will get to. Actually, weirdly, it says 89 and then shows five stars. So I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, but it's buried right at the bottom of the page. So we need to build some credibility. Cooker could do this so easily. They could work with celebrities. They already do work with celebrities and influencers, but they could show some of them on the website. They could have some testimonials. They could pull some reviews from sites that people are already going to be reviewing this product on. They could show the businesses that they've been featured in so much that they could be doing, and they are doing absolutely none of it. So if I was Cooker, I'd be building a dedicated landing page following the principles in this podcast, and I'd watch conversions to this weak call to action, double or more. I'd also fix the CTA, so it's way more compelling. I wouldn't be surprised if you could get five times the number of conversions from this landing page than what they're currently getting. This is like, if someone's handed them the ball, all they need to do is just 
place it on the floor for a touchdown or cross the line for a touchdown, whatever the sport thing that you need to do and they've just dropped it and soiled themselves and their clothes have fallen off like it's it's not going well for them but the business is going fantastically so they're not so reliant on this stuff but the digital there is a world of opportunity for them okay so over to you do your landing pages demonstrate credibility remember you've got a few seconds to persuade hold traffic that you're legitimate think about some of the credibility triggers that we've talked about things like numbers of customers who've used you tv ad remember the boxed flex with that partners or businesses that you work with or as featured in little flex review stars testimonials other little flexes that you can pull people who've used you influencers pictures of celebrities all of these different flexes that you could use to build that credibility very quickly okay and um, principle number two an attractive lure so on your landing page as well as having a prominent call to action you need to lure people and you need to give them a reason you need to give them some sort of incentive in order to request your thing you've heard me talk about this before and um, the example i'm going to use here is the exposure ninja free website and marketing review if you haven't seen this page go and have a look we've just tweaked it and we've significantly increased the conversion rate on it again so go to exposureninja.com forward slash review have a look at it on mobile have a look at it on desktop as well and um, this is the exposure ninja free website and marketing review where we review people's websites we analyze what they could be doing better what they could improve how they could steal some of their competitors good stuff and exploit some of the bad stuff and we map them out a prioritized action plan over the next six to 12 months to generate significantly more traffic through their website and digital marketing so there's exposureninja.com forward slash review now the landing page we build credibility with the number of reviews that we've had on trustpilot and google but what i'm really talking about here is the lure the incentive that we give people to request this thing now bear in mind this is basically a contact form this is basically a new client acquisition lead generation contact form i if you're interested in becoming a lead of exposure ninja and potentially becoming a client then you want to fill in this form but if we do that there is absolutely no incentive for anybody on the planet to do that unless they are desperate unless they need a new agency you know they've got an rfp they just need to go and of course we get some of them but the percentage of people who are in that category is so low that it's almost pointlessly small what you're much better off doing is incentivizing people to get in contact so that you can have built some sort of relationship with them by email you can send them other stuff to watch we send people videos we send them podcasts we send them blogs stuff that we write and we build a massive relationship with people over a period of in some cases years until they're ready to use our service the reason we do that is through this lure an attractive lure so we give people the results of the marketing review we give them a number of stats on people who have improved their results purely through implementing recommendations in the marketing review nothing to do with becoming a client so we've got people who've increased their traffic by 245 percent we've got people who've increased their uh, sales by 325 percent just by implementing what we give them in the review we've got someone who increased their leads 820 percent just by implementing the stuff in the review someone increased their decreased sorry their ad cost by 94 percent and we give all of these stats on the page we also explain how the review works there's a video showing you a preview of the review we've got testimonials from the review telling people how good this thing is we've got information about who it's for so people can recognize themselves we've got all the industries that people have had reviews from we've got video testimonials from people who've worked with us we've got uh, more information about the traffic that has been generated by people implementing the stuff from these reviews more testimonials all of the th features that are included in the review like 
we've got embedded Facebook reviews of the review, okay? You get the picture, we've got information about who we are, frequently asked questions, what questions might you have about the review? We're selling this thing harder than most businesses sell their primary product or service. We're gonna look at examples. I'm gonna give you an example of private jet charter in a minute. We are selling our free website and marketing review harder than NetJets sells their subscription to private jet rental, <laughs> okay? Because we know that the more we can increase the appeal of the lure, the higher our conversion rate is gonna be. Our conversion rate is gonna spank NetJets into the ground. I'm not saying we're a better business or anything like that, but if we're talking about landing page conversion rate, the more you tell, the more you sell. And the harder you can pitch your landing page lure, the more conversions you're gonna get from it. Now, by the way, most marketing agencies, they're not actually that good at marketing. They just have a contact us page. They're just hoping that people take the initiative and contact them. And that's the same for most businesses out there. And they might expect to convert 0.5% of their website traffic. And they'll, you know, there's the sort of people that you hear at the business networking meetings, moaning about the economy or, uh, saying that their only source of business is referrals and digital marketing doesn't work for them. But they've got a contact us page and it's got a terrible contact form which asks for too much information or gives no information about what's going to happen on the end of it. And it's a total waste of everyone's time. Okay. Um, we talk more, by the way, about how to make a great lure in a recent podcast episode about how to design your perfect call to action. So go and have a look in the back catalog if you're interested in more detail there because there's a whole episode on it. All right. Principle number three, the item number three in our landing page formula is objection handling. You'll be used to hearing about objection handling in the sales process, right? Every sales team who is well-schooled has an objection handling list. They'll have the objections, they'll rehearse and they'll role play their answers to each common objection. But you might not have come across objection handling on a landing page. That feels a bit weird, Tim, what's going on? Well, here's the thing. Your customers or your potential customers have as many objections in the landing page stage as they do at the sales stage. And if we don't handle those objections at the landing page stage, we're not even gonna get them to the sales stage, right? Does that make sense? If we don't handle the objections so that they become a lead, there's no point us rehearsing our sales team a thousand times a day on objection handling at the sales stage because they're already put off. So you need to make sure that you're handling objections on your landing pages effectively. An example and a counterexample. We're looking at the private jet charter space, which is going to be an interesting space to be over the next few years. Um, I'm looking at privatejetcharter.com and we can see there's a dedicated landing page for their paid traffic. Now, CPCs are fairly high for this. They're not as high as you might expect because these businesses are on the whole doing a dreadful job of their digital marketing. Private jet charter is somewhat of an exception, but on the whole, you know, the space is rubbish. So you might think that private jet charter, this is, you know, how much is an average customer going to be worth? 50, 100, 200 grand over the course of the next year. So maybe you might be spending huge amounts of money per click. Actually, it's not the case. I don't know what the sales conversion rate is like, but the clicks aren't that expensive. The landing pages also, though, mostly are a bit of a joke. Now, if you're a potential customer for this type of business, one of the main objections that you're going to have about private jet charter is, do they work in my area? It's no good you telling me that your private jet charter service is incredible, it's the height of luxury, the service is amazing, if you only operate in other countries, or if you don't fly me to the countries that I wanna to go to, or if you don't fly from airports near me. So this sort of location thing is almost like a, it's like a barrier to entry that has to be crossed before anything else can be discussed because there are private jet firms that predominantly work in one country and they don't have a worldwide fleet. Now, 
Private Jet Charter does a great job of handling this objection straight away because they have, you know, the typical flight booking form that you're used to seeing on Skyscanner or whatever. You choose your from destination, you choose your date, your time, and you choose your to destination. This immediately handles that potential objection, which is going to stop anybody from converting if they can't get that question answered. So that's good. Now, the rest of the landing page is, is okay. It does handle some of the other objections people might have, such as privacy. They might have uh, questions about locations and any, you know, do, are there any countries that you do or don't go to? They say it offers private jet hire between any global airports. Um, it has objection handling around safety, about accommodation, about VIP treatment. And then it's got testimonials, which also handles some of the key objections people would have, like, do we need to share an aircraft with other, you know, other folk and stuff like that. So that's all fine. They do a good job of handling objections. Warren Buffett's NetJets, however, does a dreadful job of handling any objections at all. Um, it's a completely different proposition in some ways, because this isn't just like book one flight or whatever. They've got this membership thing that you can be a part of. But even so, it doesn't handle any of the most fundamental objections that somebody might have, like location, right? This information does not appear to be on the landing page I'm on whatsoever. So I cannot convert on this page without having that question answered. Maybe they're hoping I'm going to contact their team. There's a phone number right at the bottom of the page, like right at the bottom of the page, which again is insane because how many people get to the bottom of the page versus the top of the page? If you want people to convert, where do you put the call to action? But maybe they're hoping people will contact them and say, I'd really like to fly from these destinations on a regular basis. Is this, you know, can you help me? But they're requiring the user to take that initiative. And any digital marketing that requires users to take initiative is fundamentally flawed. You're immediately dumping like 90% of your business because most people will not take the initiative. If I've opened five landing pages, when I'm researching something like this, one of them doesn't give me the answers to the fundamental questions I have. I'm not going to go, well, maybe they're really good. I just need to find out. This is the whole point of the website is to answer these objections. So you just dump it and move on. So make sure that any objections people might have to even contacting your business are handled on your landing page and done so in a very prominent way. This isn't the sort of thing that you just hide in some body copy the three scrolls down. The key objections that you're facing need to be handled straight away, hit people straight between the eyes. When they're in landing page mode, the whole page is completely unfamiliar to them. They have a very finite amount of information that they can take in. So you need to know what those objections are and handle them straight away in a very obvious way. Otherwise, it's as good as not handling them. Okay, um, before we run through the final three parts of the formula, let's just talk about some numbers here. What is a good conversion rate? How do you know if your landing page is performing well or how do you, how do you know if it's a dead loser that needs to be completely reconfigured? Well, Obviously, conversion rates depend on a whole bunch of variables. Traffic source, for example. If you're driving a lot of traffic from search, usually people have searched for the thing that you're offering, so you have a higher conversion rate. Paid search, not always as high a conversion rate because um, you know organic search, Google has established that you are a very good fit for what people are searching for, whereas paid search, you can, to an extent, choose what you show up for, so you might often find that the traffic is slightly less qualified. That can also work the other way if you're ranking for a lot of uh, informational terms though rather than commercial terms. So search traffic can tend to be higher converting, whereas maybe social media traffic, you often persuade someone to click, you get a lot more accidental clicks on social as well, and people are in a kind of scrolling up and down, flicking around sort of mindset. They're very uh, often less focused on the task at hand than people are when they've searched. Email marketing traffic, 
tends to be very, very well qualified and very predisposed to convert because they're already familiar with you. So traffic channel can influence your conversion rate. Also the risk reward balance in your offer. If we think about, uh, let's say that you're offering a free consultation. Well, if you're offering a free consultation with a world expert, and this person's going to get some incredible insight that's going to transform their life, that's going to have a higher conversion rate than if your call to action is call sales, right? <laughs> then it's a very low perceived value because I'm not only not expecting to get much out of that calling sales, the best thing I'm going to get is a quote. But the worst case scenario, is someone's going to try and hassle me and close me. And people often have negative connotations with sales, obviously, completely wrongly, but also understandably. So we need to think about the offer, we need to think about the traffic channel. But of course, that's not useful. When I say, what's a typical conversion rate, you don't just want a whole bunch of caveats, you want some sort of benchmark. So here goes, let's say that you're converting paid traffic at less than 2% from your landing page, and you're pretty convinced that the traffic is highly qualified. Generally, we'd expect that to be missing something, right? If it's just under 2%, maybe not such an issue. If it's significantly below 1%, then we might be missing something or the business might be in a super competitive space or what's often common is the traffic isn't that easy to identify. The perfect customer isn't that easy to identify. So we're casting a wider net with the traffic than we might expect. If a landing page is converting above 5%, this is doing pretty well. For, and we're talking about paid traffic here. It's doing pretty well. Dif typically, it's difficult to lose money in that sort of situation unless the leads that you're getting through are just junk. You know, people aren't understanding what you're offering and they're just filling in the form anyway. Uh, any landing page that's converting over 15%, this is what we'd call an outlier, right? This is brilliant. This is a control. This is something that you would test against, but you're not going to dump a landing page that's over 15%. That's the basis of a very successful business. Our best landing pages over the years, we've built landing pages that have converted over 30%, even over 40%. But this takes a truly great offer and a freak show of a page, not to mention really qualified traffic. Now, also, if you're consistently at over, say, 20, 30, 40% conversion rate, this can actually indicate that your traffic might be too narrowly targeted. Um, and there's actually opportunity to cast a wider net, right? Does that make sense? If, you, if, you're if your landing page is converting so high, then you might not be targeting wide enough and there's more business out there for you. But people who are maybe slightly less qualified, but could still be very profitable for you just aren't seeing the ads or aren't coming onto the page. So there you go, a few little benchmarks. On with the formula. So component four of our landing page formula is clever use of social proof. I might not know anything about your company or how good you are, but if loads of other people have chosen you before, then surely you're a safe bet, right? As far as I can see, this is the entire value proposition behind NFTs, rightly or wrongly. So social proof is a really powerful force. We are all uh, susceptible to social proof for better or for worse. Now, one example of a page that does a fantastic job of social proof is Carwow, um, carwow.co.uk. Uh, there's a landing page that they use for a lot of their PPC traffic. And they use social proof in a couple of different ways and a couple of fairly clever ways. The headline on this, so Carwell, um, they they buy your car, right? And they sell cars as well, I think, but they buy your car. So if you click, uh, if you search for sell your car, very competitive because all these companies want to buy your car and then all, all these companies want to basically sell your lead to other dealers uh, who will then offer to buy your car. So it's quite a competitive space. They're basically lead gen and um, it's a fairly profitable space because the numbers that we're talking about are, are fairly large, although the margins aren't particularly huge. 
So they use social proof in two ways on this landing page. The first way is they've got the rating, rated 4.6 out of 5 from 31,994 reviews. So again, they show the number of reviews, which gives them massive credibility. Huge social proof there. I know that I'm not the first idiot to request this thing because at least 32,000 other people have done it. The other way they use social proof is the subheadline says, the free easy way to get 3,000 plus dealers all over the UK bidding on your car. Now that tells you that CarWow isn't some tiny operation because if there's over 3,000 dealers signed up to this thing, then again, I'm not the first idiot to sign up for it either. This is a well-established thing. Loads of other people are using it, right? Think NFTs. So that's pretty good. We like that as a, a kind of social proof thing. They've also got other credibility triggers like as featured in the Telegraph, the Guardian, like national newspaper sites. And they've got objection handling, which explains how the process works as well. Now compare that with a disaster landing page. Um, go to yourredcar.co.uk. Again, you can see this in the video, but yourredcar.co.uk is on the surface of a slightly similar proposition, albeit for the other side of the buying and selling cars thing. So this is a place that you can buy a car from, but it does a really poor job of social proof. Now, buying a car feels potentially risky, right? If you get this wrong, you're in pain. <laughs> it's a bit of an issue. I've had some terrible cars over the years, and I know that having a terrible car or buying a car that's, I remember going out with my brother who was, uh, he, I went with him to go and buy, he just bought an Audi TT on a spur of a moment impulse purchase, which I know sounds absolutely crazy. We went to this dodgy secondhand car dealer place and it, the alarm bells were pinging all over the place. Anyway, bought this thing, it broke down on the way home from the car dealers, right? It's exactly the sort of thing that you're trying to avoid. But buying a used car, or buying any car, but particularly buying a used car, feels fraught with risk. So what you want to do is you want to pummel people with social proof. You are not alone. You are, you know, loads of people use this service. It's great. It's fantastic. So back to our our, our victim, our, our object on the on the chopping board, ready to be dissected. Yourredcar.co.uk. Uh, the headline is click buy reward. The sub headline is register interest on a car with one of our Santander approved dealers. And if you go on to buy, you can claim a £75 e-gift card reward powered by Santander. Right. What do we know at this stage? We know basically that uh, there's something about buying a car we know that we can get a £75 e-gift card reward. I have no idea what that means at all. And that it seems to only be Santander approved car dealers, which I can register interest with. There's then a little box, a little form, where you can put your postcode in, choose different car makes and models, and you can even put a price. I think, yeah, you can choose a price. There's a little filter so you can price. And there's an option for finance, so you can... Uh, filter these options by finance type. And then there's a little search button, which I presume shows you a whole bunch of cars that meet your criteria. Now, what's the problem with this? On the surface of it, £75 gift card reward for buying a car seems okay, right? They're trying to differentiate themselves. The trouble is there is no social proof anywhere on this page that this service is popular at all. There is nothing. There are no testimonials. There are no reviews. There is no this many people search for cars or this many cars sold or anything like that. It's just your red car, click buy reward, and then we're talking about this gift card. There's other problems with this, like we could rinse this call to action. When you're buying a car, do you really care about a £75 gift voucher or do you care about finding the right car for you? 
So we probably want to think about which component of that proposition we want to lead with. £75 gift voucher is nice, but the most important thing is a reliable dealer and a car that we actually want. Well, they're not mentioning that anywhere. <laughs> All they're talking about is this gift card. Great. Well, can I get a £5 voucher if I book a holiday? And you're not telling me anything about the holiday, but yeah, yeah I get a £5. Who cares, right? Let's get the main problem sorted first, and then we can get the party bag at the end. Now, unbelievably, this project is run by Santander, the 16th largest banking group in the world. So you'd think they'd have been able to find some credibility from somewhere, some social proof that they could use on this page. Alas, no. So this is not going to succeed. I would suggest that this project by Santander is unlikely to succeed. They'll probably spend a bit of money driving traffic to it. They will get a very low conversion rate. They will probably find it difficult to track and then they will give up with the thing. And you can put that failure down to this landing page. It's poor because they haven't thought about the proposition and they haven't done a good job of communicating it on the landing page. So potentially the entire initiative, which obviously there's some value behind, is going to end up being canned because they've not listened to this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but you know, social proof can make people spend tens of thousands of dollars on monkey JPEGs, right? Well, imagine what we can do for a bank like Santander if they want to give people access to an entire range of car dealers and help them find amazing cars out of, you know, what's going to be tens of thousands of cars in stock. Ridiculous. Okay, principle number five, component number five, uh, make it easy. Okay, make it easy for people to contact you. Sounds basic. You wouldn't believe how many businesses go around in knots with this. Now we've got a client, uh, we've covered them in uh, previous uh, videos. We're on a global search world, built their website and they are a personal injury lawyer. We've got a whole bunch of personal injury lawyer clients. We absolutely love the world of personal injury. Very, very competitive, very, very um, time sensitive as well. If you don't know the world of personal injury, when someone has been injured in an accident, they are about to get pummeled with a tidal wave of personal injury firms contacting them, trying to get them to start a case. So the aim of the game is fast conversion. We don't want people signing up for an email stream of 15 different emails, which will gradually warm them up to becoming a lead. What we really want, we need to get them on the phone ASAP. So the call to action on this page, the whole landing page is designed to get a call right now. The, the CTA button is call right now. They click that and it immediately starts the phone call. So we've made it really, really easily. There's a headline in an accident in McAllen or San Antonio in Texas. If the answer is yes, you click the button, you call. No point beating around the bush. No point, you know, messing around with different automations and stuff like that. Great to have that stuff as well, but that shouldn't be the thing that you lead with if you need a fast lead. Uh, contrast this with, I've beaten up on these guys before. I feel really sorry for them. Siemens Health and Ears. Um, great business, dreadful, dreadful website from a conversion perspective. So Siemens Health and Ears sell like CT scanners and MRI scanners and all sorts of stuff. Huge, huge business website from a conversion perspective, it's awful. So I'm on the computed tomography page. So the people on this page might be buying a CT scanner for a hospital or hospital group. So it's a very high value lead. Now, if we're thinking about how do we make it easy for someone to convert? Well, step number one, right? It's just going to be, well, let's just allow people to get in contact with us nice and quickly, right? <laughs> on this page, you will not find, let's count how many page scrolls. One, two, three, four, this makes great podcast listening, right? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
10 page scrolls on desktop. So on mobile, you're gonna be looking at at least 20 page scrolls before you get to a little button that says contact us. Now think about the entire goal of this website. The entire goal of this website should be to generate leads, right? I mean, there might be sub goals, like you wanna educate people, you want them to find out information about their machines, or you might wanna help people with training, or you might wanna embed your thought leadership, expertise, whatever. But the main goal is to grow the business. This is a marketing tool. This is part of business development. So what's the goal of the site? Well, contact us. So make it as easy as possible. We talk about making it a slippery slope. Stick your CTA nice and prominently at the top of the page, have an echo throughout the page. If you've got a form, which many calls to action will have a form, think about the number of fields that you're asking for in that form. A really old study from Marketo, but the data rings true today. The number of fields that you have basically inversely proportional to your conversion rate. So let me remember the data from Marketo. I think they started with five fields in their form. They went up to nine. Um, and when they went to nine, they reduced their conversion rate by 30%, okay? They ask for more info, they get fewer leads. This is fairly straightforward, it's common sense. The more time that you're asking someone to sit there filling in a form, the lower your conversion rate is gonna be. Now, a couple of caveats here. Firstly, you might want more fields in order to get a better qualified lead. Secondly, you might want more fields to get people bought in, particularly if you want a barrier to entry. So for example, our free website and marketing review, you'll notice the form on that page at ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Do you like how I keep seeding it organically? The form on that page, the field uh, arrangement has been very consciously thought through. So you notice that we start by asking you what your website address. We used to ask for name and email address, but that feels much more personal to ask. So we leave that till the end and we get you to answer very straightforward, simple questions first so that when we ask for name and email address, you're already a bit invested in the process. You're much more likely to give us that. So go and try out the form and have a look. But you know, you want to think about that when you're designing a form as well, particularly if you've got a multi-step form, which we do have on that page, then ask for uh, ask for form fields that people will be very happy to give you that info first of all, and then ask them for the more complicated stuff later on. If you've just got one form and it's just, you know, on page load, the entire form is there, think about the information that you actually need to be able to qualify people. Don't ask for significantly more than that unless you're absolutely going to use it and don't require any fields which aren't actually required. Example, phone. Some people don't want to give their phone number because they don't want to get calls all throughout the day. Well, if you want to require the phone number, you better call that person. If you are if you can process a lead without the phone number, don't make the phone number required, right? Makes total sense because by having it required, you're going to filter out a whole bunch of people that just don't want to give you their phone. It's not because they're not a good lead. They just don't want to have someone hassling them on the phone. People my age and under consider phone calls to be a horribly uh, disrespectful interruption to our lives. That's just the simple truth of it. Whereas maybe people who have been used to phone as their primary method of communication are very happy to give away their phone number. So we have to be conscious about how people like to communicate and make sure that we're meeting them where they are. The final um, component of our formula is to promise a result on your landing page. So what's the result that people will get by doing whatever you're asking them to do on the landing page? How does the offer move them closer to the result that they're really after? That Everyone's here for some reason and it's not to buy your thing. They're there for a reason and your thing is one of the solutions, one of the vehicles to get them to that reason, right? Generally, we all want to be happier, healthier, richer. Like those are the main things, right? So how does your thing get them closer to being one of those? And how does the offer on your landing page get them closer to being one of those? We want to 
I like to think of it as almost like a, a conveyor belt or a lazy river, right? You know the lazy river, you just, you get your float and you just pop in your float and it just floats you downstream. And it's not very hard work. It's very relaxing and it all feels very natural. You can see what's happening. It doesn't feel stressful. Well, we basically want to make our front end lead generation feel a bit like a lazy river. So we want to give them a result. We want to show them, we want to imply that, you know, something great is going to happen. And then we want to just want to make the process as smooth as possible. So they're just on this nice nice conveyor belt moving closer to their goals. Now, one sort of uh, industry category that does a great job of this is SaaS, software as a service. So I'm looking at a couple of examples here. I've got Xero, uh, the accounting software, xero.com. I'm on one of their landing pages here for accounting software. And the headline is Xero makes small business accounting easy. Uh, it has all the time-saving tools you need to grow your business. Okay, so what's the result there? Well, it's ease and time-saving. Then the call to action button says try zero for free. There's a secondary uh, lower commitment CTA, which is view pricing plans. And there's a video which explains it. The whole landing page is about selling the result of using zero. You you can automate stuff. It happens in the background. Run your, uh, run your business on the go, get paid faster, reconcile in seconds everything you need, plans to suit you. The whole thing is selling the result. So what's the result for the customer? It's ease, it's time saving. No small business owner wants to be spending their time doing accounting so they can just dump it all in zero and takes care of it. Right, very straightforward result being promised. If I'm on the Salesforce landing page, I'm on one here for, uh, I don't know what it is, but the headline is try out sales cloud free for 30 days. So that's the lure, trying it out free for 30 days. That's the incentive to do it. And then it continues to convert more leads and close more deals. Okay, so they're not just saying try out sales cloud free for 30 days. They're saying to convert more leads and close more deals. That's the result that I'm going to be getting. They're telling me what the result is going to be so that they're now Oh, do I want to convert more leads and close more deals? Yeah, of course I do. Right, so I'm going to get this conversion. So I'm going to fill in this form. Now, the form isn't great. It's really ugly, to be honest. It also asks for a whole bunch of information. Doesn't tell me if it's required or not. Um, it's just a not particularly attractive form. It asks for really weird stuff like company language. Why do I need to know that just to become a free trial? Can't you ask me that as a step two? But, you know, whatever. Other than that, it does a pretty good job of explaining exactly what people are going to get. Now, a counter example. I'm on a website for Culture Amp. So Culture Amp is like an employee engagement software. We use it at Exposure Ninja. It's actually pretty good. But their landing pages suck. And here's one that really sucks. Uh, it says, understand your employees, make better decisions, and drive meaningful change by understanding your people. Now, the call to action is learn more. Now, what's the result that I get from that? What's the result that I get from clicking learn more? I have no idea whatsoever. Absolutely no idea. Then if I click that button, if I for some reason incentivize myself to click that button because they're not incentivizing me, the next step is contact us today to get a demo of CultureAmp for your business. Again, no perceived benefit whatsoever. What's the result I get from that? How does that help me? Now that what they could do is say, understand your employees, use CultureAmp to run a company survey and start, you know, getting meaningful, actionable, blah, 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 whatever. And then the, the, the incentive, the result that I'm buying is we're going to help you understand your employees or your team or your morale or whatever and help you find fixes or, you know, use CultureAmp today to get a demo to show you where your attention should be or where your HR's, uh, HR team's attention should be to improve engagement in your business or use CultureAmp today to improve employee retention or use, employee, uh, use CultureAmp today to improve employee happiness or employee NPS, whatever it might be. 
But there's none of that. It's just like, yeah, by this stage, hopefully you've seen that our platform looks reasonable so you can contact us and get a demo and yeah, fill out the form and we'll be in touch soon. No timeline, no information about what's going to happen, what format the demo is going to be, any of that. Just it's a real hit and hope. It's the taping of the business card to the bus shelter. It's really, really weak. There's no result. So there's a very low incentive to take any sort of action. So there you have it, our six elements of a high performing landing page. Now, what you'll notice about this is we've not talked about layout of a page specifically. Back in the day, landing page tutorials or landing page guides was all about, you know, put this bit here, put this bit here, put this bit here, put this bit here. We've seen success recently with a whole range of different landing page layouts. As you'll see, if you go and watch the video version of this, you'll see these pages. And what we're finding is that whilst there are some fundamental things that you have to obey, like your calls for action needs to be prominent, it's a good idea to have some sort of credibility trigger or signals either in your header or in a benefits bar or above the fold. Actually, whether the CTA is on the left or right on desktop doesn't really matter so much as long as it's, you know, approximately in the right order. What's more important is getting these principles baked into every single one of your pages designed to accept cold traffic. That's credibility. That's an attractive lure. It's objection handling. It's use of social proof. It's making it easy and it's promising a result. So if you found this useful, please consider leaving our lowly podcast a little review in your old podcast platforms. Also, feel free to email me about any topics that you might want us to cover in future. Tim at ExposureNinja.com. Until next time, see you soon.